Recording. All right. Okay, so uh, bulletin says intentional parenting is title, but it was actually uh, started off by a question my son asked me a while back. Why don't we listen to hip-hop? Now, for purposes of this sermon, uh, hip-hop and rap are the same thing. I know 30 years ago that wasn't the case. But right now, they use the same hit charge, same singer, same mindset. So we're going to just assume hip-hop and rap are the same thing. So before I actually get to that, questions for you. How many of you are Americans? Okay, probably all. How many of you are Christians? Probably all. How many of you know which comes first? Should, should be, okay. So I expect every one of you gave the same answers that I did. Uh, well, let's do some digging and see if we're right. First, when I say Americans, I don't mean specific social or political groupings, partly because that's not what defines American, but mostly because that's the first problem. If you're identifying with one of those groupings, that's a choice. It requires your thoughts, time, and energy. You put your effort into being that thing. You may think that thing is good. You may think that thing is neither good nor evil, but you are doing it on purpose. People don't always practice their faith on purpose. They choose their thing or multiple things intentionally, but assume that faith will happen passively. It does not. Last time I was up here, I mentioned a problem with choosing violent sports without regard to faith. God is not a fan of violence, but our culture is. That's what we're facing. Our culture, and not just American culture, is drastically opposed to the things of God. Political parties are actually a great example of this. Many people choose to align with one, but a huge number of people associated with a political party are antagonistic or openly hostile toward the opposition. They label them as ignorant, incompetent, or evil. They actively divide along those lines. Some of them encourage conflict. The extreme among them encourage hatred and sometimes actual violence. That's a cultural norm, but it is not a godly norm. And you choose to associate with a political party. By now, you may have, no, may have noticed that while the sermon was titled Intentional Parenting, I haven't mentioned parenting yet. Before you can parent intentionally, you have to be intentional about your own choices. If your faith is a passive part of you, it's going to be a passive part of your children. That's how our culture works, and that's how they want us to work. The people that define and influence our culture specifically tell us that our faith should not get in the way of our obedience to political and social norms. They are wrong, but Christians obey them anyway. To illustrate how faith can be the passive victim of a chosen culture, I have a few examples. Two are from people that I know or knew, and the third is from an interview that I read. First, a little over 15 years ago, a coworker of mine told me that if a man is paying his child support, he's doing his job as a father. If you've known me for more than five minutes, you know that I wanted to explain how not, that's not true. I didn't. Her faith was so culturally watered down that all she had was a vague concept of God and his commandments. Her personal experience was that men were useless. I barely knew her, and she didn't know or respect me, so I didn't try to correct her. There's no point, no relationship, she would not listen. She literally needed to start from the very beginning of the Bible because everything she knew was culture and not God. That's either a passive faith or no faith at all. Next, several years ago, a woman that I know is a solid believer told me that she knew her son was going to be sexually active, 
so he would he had better wear protection. He was around 17, and he had been raised with her in the church. His father was a pastor that had died from sickle cell anemia when the boy was nine. I had known this woman for five years at that point, more or less. We had trained together, worked together, ate lunch together, and were never more than 10 feet away for 40 hours per week. We talked a lot. People said we argued like an old married couple. And when I die, I will see her in heaven. She has faith. But her son only had her faith. She raised him to know that, he, that she was in charge, not God. She passed, parented, allowing the culture in. And when she took her hand off the steering wheel and make his own decisions, God was not in charge. She's a good woman, but she parented passively and allowed American culture to raise her son. She assumed that he would be fine. I hope he's gotten better since then. She moved to Ohio. I think he was still here. My third and favorite example was a man that I've never met personally. This is the interview I read. His faith was questioned publicly, and he responded with, I will show you my faith by my works, and then went on to do exactly that. That's the last part of James 2.18, if you're keeping track. Does anyone actually believe that's what happened? No? I see head shaking. Of course it didn't. He responded with, if you question my faith one more time, I'll shove my rosary beads down your throat. Did anyone get that? He is actually showing us his faith by his works. He claims to be a Catholic, thus the rosary beads, but he's completely owned by American culture. He has the trappings of Catholicism, but not the actual practice of a truth Catholic. His faith is not biblical, it's a facade. His works are threats and violence, and if carried out, would be felony aggravated assault, or possibly murder. The supposed Catholic has been claiming to follow God for much longer than I have, but he's chosen American culture and the divisions and conflicts that define it and divide it. His faith is non-existent, and if his words are to be believed, he would literally want to hurt me for saying so. That's what he said to the last person. Now that we've looked at some examples of passive faith, let's look at an example of passive parenting and the comparison to active parenting. Very conveniently, I've seen that in my own personal life. Two men were talking after lunch, and one of them said, your kids are so good, while mine are sitting on the couch punching each other. How'd you, let them, how'd you get them like that? The second man looked at the kids, all adults at this point, sitting on the couch punching each other, thought for a few seconds, and said, well, I think parenting has to be done with intent. You have to have specific things that you teach your kids, specific goals. The first man's response was predictably non-intentional. I always considered myself kind of a guide, like I would let them experience the world, but help them do it. The conversation dropped, but everyone that was listening knew exactly what had happened. Two parenting styles had been compared, and one had been proven drastically inadequate. Now, to be fair, the first man was not completely wrong. A parent is supposed to guide their children and assist them after teaching them. Guided exploration is one aspect of parenting, but it is not, it's not a replacement for actively teaching your children knowledge, skills, and values. And if you're wondering, the first man didn't really pass on any aspects of faith. But again, trying to be fair, he didn't have a strong faith to pass on. I think that's enough abstract concepts and examples, but what about our own kids? 
My son has spent a good part of his life asking why, and I've had enough of your kids in my class to see that they do too. Tell them to keep asking. There's an old Gallagher comedy bit where he was talking to his five-year-old daughter, and every time he said something, she would ask why. And his response was, now i got to look it up. He's mostly right. It'd be better if you already had looked it up, but otherwise it's correct. Look it up. Your kids ask questions, and I answer everything I can, except when a 10-year-old girl asks what circumcision is, then I tell her to ask you. <laughs> Sometimes the questions are quick and easy. Did it hurt when Samson pushed down the pillars in the temple and crushed the Philistines? Yes. He knew it was going to hurt. He knew he was going to die. He did it anyway. Sometimes the questions are broader and more abstract. Why don't we litter? It never says in the Bible not to litter. It does say that we have been given stewardship over the earth, and stewardship means responsibility, not domination. Professionally, there are some jobs that create more waste than others. If you work in construction or remodeling, you can't have zero waste. It's impossible. But it's up to you to reduce where you can and protect as much as you can. If you and your company never consider waste, you're not being a good steward. On a personal scale, avoiding litter is a small and easy step to take. And for a child, that's a good start. But as they get older, they'll need to get, you'll need to give them more details, which means you need to know more details. Don't litter is very simplistic for an adult. It's simply not sufficient. So, for example, mining the nickel and lithium for the battery of a hybrid or electric vehicle does more damage to the environment than driving an SUV. The biggest reason is that the companies that do the mining from the uh, companies that do the mining are from countries that have little to no environmental laws, and they're usually operating in countries that have little to no environmental laws. So you're not actually saving the environment by driving an electric car. That's a little much for a 10-year-old, so I start by saying don't let her. But if you're an adult that didn't know about nickel strip mining, congratulations, you learned something. Awareness is important when you parent intentionally. Scripture tells us how to live, but there are a lot of details that we see in modern society that are left out or didn't yet exist. There's a ton of stuff now that didn't exist 2,000 years ago. My son still asks me questions, but they've transitioned from why to how. Recently, he told me about a kid he knows that's having major problems at school. The kid constantly acts out against other kids, and in, his turn, in turn is picked on by other kids. He has no friends and no idea how to make friends. Given his behavior, it might be too late. But my son says, I'm not going to give up on the kid. How can I help him? The Bible clearly says to love your neighbor, but this kid refuses to accept love. He's scared and ashamed, and he's completely unreceptive. An unaware or ignorant parent might not be uh, very helpful here. I don't have to be a professional therapist to know that if someone's under fire all the time, they don't feel safe. Someone that feels unsafe is afraid, and they are unlikely to accept love of any form. They're just going to back away. They're too busy trying to protect themselves, so in order to love this particular neighbor, the first thing you have to do is protect him. So my advice to my son was first to try to get the other kids to lay off him. He has to feel safe before anything else can happen. After that, the boy's still alone, so he's still going to need friends. Once he feels safe and knows he's not alone, then he can be receptive to advice about not harassing other kids. But it's useless to try to tell him not to harass other kids 
when everyone's always nailing him. So also remember that awareness varies by context. I've had to know how to deal with people uh, professionally for over 15 years that are on the low end of the economic spectrum. If you ask me how to rebuild an engine, I'm going to have to outsource. So if you go back to the first part of the bulletin, it says intentional parenting. And I said, why don't we listen to hip hop? You may have noticed I haven't addressed that either. So first thing, uh, what does that have to do with parenting? It's intentionality. What parts of the culture are you engaged with? What parts are you passively allowing into your children's ears and minds? So when my son asked me, why don't we listen to hip hop? There's a bunch of answers I could have given. Most of them are wrong. Could have said, I've been listening to rock since I was in high school. Well, that's accurate, it's not sufficient. I could have told them I don't like it. Still doesn't work. Could have told them it's wrong. Well, that's subjective and unhelpful, and he would have asked me why. I could have told him that only bad people listen to that kind of music. That's even worse. I could have told him that the most famous hip-hop singer, one of the most famous hip-hop singers, Kanye West, referred to himself as a god, and that indicates a level of arrogance that is unacceptable in my household. You may think that sounds bad, but I'm pretty sure there are households in America that have said exactly that. And frankly, it's the best answer so far. So I didn't give any of those answers, because I prefer honesty, and when I see a teacher moment, I talk a lot. Anyway, the answer I gave started out simple. My son's laughing at me. <sighs> My wife's too. Great. So, it uh, started out simple. Let's find out. Pulled out my phone, turned on a music streaming service, and selected a pre-made list called Top Hip Hop provided by that streaming service. I pushed play. I pulled up the lyrics to, see what we make, to make sure we missed nothing. We lasted for six songs. Every song that played was some combination of sex, violence, guns, alcohol, drugs, self-aggrandizement, and, and degradation of women. I had to write all that out because there's a lot in there. Every song. Also, every song completely filled with profanity. So after the sixth song, my son said he, we could stop. He understood why we don't listen to hip-hop. I mean, it would have been helpful if at least one song that came up wasn't terrible, but nothing. It was all the same. And typically intellectually poor, but that's really not an issue. Some rock is like that, too. So in case you were wondering, all the singers were male, but the degradation of women comes from women, too. They just pretend that it's empowerment. One of the top songs of 2020 was WAP, sung by two women. When you get home, look up the lyrics and make sure your children are not around. If you know the song already, I am sorry. If you don't, you should just to make sure you know what's out there. It spent four weeks on, as the number one song on the Billboard charts. Fans talked about a sex-positive message and female empowerment, but that's not what it's about. This is hip-hop culture and American culture. It is an act of defiance against all that is godly. If you aren't intentional, it is in your child's ears. Think back to my examples earlier. My friend from work did not monitor her son's music either. Her passive parenting allowed her son to grow up in an environment where that was normalized. She listened to jazz, R&B, and gospel. He listened to modern hip-hop. 
Now, I'm not saying all hip-hop is like that, but a huge amount of it is. And that should give you all something to think about. It should not scare you away from all music. It's our job to train our children, monitor their exposure to the world, and teach them how to obey God anyway. Listening to six songs triggered a conversation with my son about holiness, goodness, and how what you listen to can affect you. My wife and I do the same thing with books and television, and our son is much more aware than I was when I was his age. He's also much more protected mentally than I was. Quick note, though, if your child is young, immature, or sheltered, don't try this technique. It's probably going to do more damage than good. Now, dangerous question, or dangerous uh, suggestion. The more astute of you among you may have seen a link between the contents of the songs we listen to and the behavior of the scared child at school. Simply put, it's a combination of insecurity and pride. And those two shouldn't work together, but they often show up together anyway. A confident, competent, and humble person is not afraid. They take responsibility. They take action. They do not need to feel respected. They do not demand respect. They do not threaten or abuse others to assert power, or for fun, or for personal gain. But the insecure person is afraid. The prideful person knows they are superior. It's a weird combination to have at once, but again, it does happen. When it does, they lash out. They assert their superiority in order to gain respect through force or intimidation. Those singers are using sex, violence, drugs, alcohol to tell you how impressive they are. They want your respect. They spell out their names and accomplishments in their songs. They need your respect. And like the fake Catholic I referenced earlier, they hate it when someone questions them. Tell a hip-hop singer, a star, that they are insecure and see what he says. Possibly threats, probably not violence, they have way too much to lose. Dismissive statements about how they're better than you, definite. They know they're better than you are. Compare that with a confident, competent, and humble person. You say, I don't like your music. What do they say? Doesn't matter to me. You don't have to like it. But the confident, competent, and humble person doesn't sing about self-aggrandizement and degradation of women. So if you've paid attention, you've noticed I still haven't answered the question. Why don't we listen to hip-hop? Here's the full answer. The mindset behind the style is in opposition to God. It is all about them, and they are not apologetic about that fact. To most of them, humility is weakness, and humility actively impedes success in the genre. They value the riches and excesses of the world. They devalue people, and especially women. They sensationalize sex and violence. They oppose authority, especially God's authority. They are their own gods. And there is no biblical rationalization or justification possible for their mindsets or their behavior. The world has gotten worse since I was in high school. It's been more than 25 years now. There are things considered normal now that nobody was even doing when I was there. WAP would not have been the number one song in America in 1995. However, the concepts in it had already been introduced. Our culture intentionally normalizes behavior that was considered an abomination in the past. That's how hip-hop artists, and I use that term very loosely, 
are able to become rich and famous singing about sex, violence, guns, alcohol, drugs, self-aggrandizement, and degradation of women, and do it in the mainstream. These are not fringe artists. They are not outside the scope of normal. These are the big stars. So if you've been paying attention, you know that we aren't going to win a culture war with, or, sorry, going, aren't going to win a war with our culture. But we have to talk about talk to our children if we want to keep them. We have to talk about everything, even if it's uncomfortable, even if we grew up with it. We have to tell them what's out there, and we have to be able to explain how it fits or doesn't fit with Scripture. Now, there's a lot of our modern culture that doesn't fit with Scripture. There's a lot that is completely in opposition to Scripture. So you can either become aware of it intentionally, parent intentionally, or you can become unaware or parent passively and let the culture train your children. And then you'll be listening to them as they sing along to WAP. That went quicker than I expected. Uh, so I guess cut it off and close in prayer and then do Q&A. Good? Okay.